Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. The Bible reads from Psalm 42. As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep course to deep in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Well, have you ever experienced a time of spiritual dryness where, where God just seems to be distant, where you just can't sense or feel the presence of God. You, you, you've tried everything, but nothing seems to be working. You just can't sense the presence of God in your life. Have you ever experienced that? Well, if you haven't, you will. <laughs> because we will all go through a period uh, of spiritual dryness. And, and this psalmist, the, the writer of Psalm 42, is experiencing spiritual dryness. And he says in, in verses 1 and 2, he says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Now, deer aren't stupid. Okay, so they don't kind of wait until they dine or thirst before they go looking for something to drink. So, so a panting deer is not a, not a thirsty deer. A panting deer is, is literally a deer that is dying of thirst. It, it's gone to the river where it normally finds streams of water, and all it's found is a dry river bed. And so the psalmist likens himself to this deer, and the psalmist likens God to the river, nowhere to be found. He's experiencing spiritual dryness. But take note, he still believes in God. It's not that he, he, he doesn't believe in God. He, he, he still believes in God, but he just can't sense the, the, the presence of God in, in his life. And so he asks, when can I go and meet with God? He's, he's longing to meet with God. He's longing to come back into the presence of God and experience the presence of God in his life. But God is nowhere to be found. 
also take note that he has not done something wrong. There's no hint within the psalm that he's done anything wrong. We live in a blame culture. If something goes wrong, if something's not working, we want to know who's responsible so we can sue them. Okay? If something's wrong, it must be someone's fault, and so we blame someone. And so when we experience spiritual dryness, we, we naturally think, I must have done something wrong. There, there must be some button that I haven't pushed, or there must be something on the Christian to-do list that, that I've not done. I, I must have done something wrong. And, and we're... We, we, we don't tell other people that we're experiencing spiritual dryness. We, we're afraid of telling other Christians because we, we think they're going to say, what? You don't experience the reality of God in your life? You're not experiencing His presence? Well, well have you not prayed in faith? Have you not counted your, all the many blessings that God has done? Have you not uh, taken hold of God's promises? Because we always think we've done something wrong. But this guy hasn't done anything wrong. And yet he experiences this spiritual dryness. Why is he experiencing the spiritual dryness? Well, there are many reasons why people experience spiritual dryness. And sometimes there's no reason at all. This guy, like many others, seems to be because he's a bit disillusioned by the events of life. In verses 9 and 10, he says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by my enemies? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Quite clearly, he's going through a very hard, tough time. He's, he's mourning, he's in agony, he's been taunted by everyone saying, where is your God? And all of this has gotten to his heart. And so he questions God and he says, why have you forgotten me? You don't ask that question unless you're going through a very hard, tough time. And we all go through a hard time, a tough time in life because we live in a fallen world. A world where, where evil is, is rampage. And when we go through that tough time, that hard time, it's very easy to become disillusioned by the events of life and feel as though God has abandoned you. And we will all go through a, a period of spiritual dryness. Now, it's very important to note this, particularly if you, you're new to faith, because if you're new to faith and no one's told you that this is going to happen, when it happens, it can really freak you out. You can be like, whoa, what, what, what's happened? Have I done something wrong? Why, why has God abandoned me? Why don't I feel His presence? Or you might start questioning the, the, the reality of the whole thing. What Was God ever real to me? Was it just a dream? And so we need to be aware that the, these times will come and then we need to know how to deal with it. The problem is we're not very good at treating it. We live in a culture like likes to project the image that we are sorted, that we are successful, that we don't need anyone. It's pretty stiff upper lip. We get ill, we've got a cold, we've got flu, we still go to work, we still try to do everything, we don't want to miss anything. And eventually we just flat on our back, possibly in hospital. 
You see, if you just ignore it and don't deal with it, it gets worse. The exact same for spiritual dryness. So what should we do when we're experiencing spiritual dryness? Well, firstly, we need to ensure that we're eating well, sleeping well, and exercising well. In verse 3, he says, My tears have been my food day and night. He was hoping to be nourished and satisfied with the sweet taste of water. But instead, all he gets is the taste of bitter tears. But if you read between the lines, it's quite revealing. We, we soon discover that he's not eating and he's not sleeping. He's got no appetite. All he's eating is tears. Tears are his food. Day and night, so he's not sleeping either. You see, we are very dualistic. Uh, by that I mean we like to separate the spiritual stuff and physical things. We, we see them as completely separate. But in reality, the physical affects the spiritual, and the spiritual affects the physical. And so often, the, the, the physical is part of the reason why we are experiencing spiritual dryness. Sometimes it's because we, we're not eating well, we're not eating a healthy diet, we're not sleeping well, we're not getting regular exercise that is making our spiritual dryness worse. I can remember when I was in South Africa, I was a youth, a, a youth worker, a youth pastor in a church, and I can remember experiencing a time of spiritual dryness. We're going to church. There was no joy in going to church. There was no joy in reading my Bible. Uh, and I just felt, I couldn't sense the presence of God. And it kind of, well, I thought, well, I must be doing something wrong. I, I, I must not be praying enough. I need to pray more. But in hindsight, the problem was clearly I was exhausted. I had been working so hard for the church, trying so hard. I was working late at night. I wasn't getting good sleep. I was working through my lunch breaks. I wasn't getting good meals and good food. I had no time to do my sports. I wasn't getting any exercise or regular exercise. And, and I was just exhausted. And as a result, I was stressed. And this was affecting my spiritual walk with God. And I was feeling spiritual dryness. We need a, a balanced approach. We need to realize that we are holistic beings. You know, some people will reduce everything to the physical, and they say, all you need is medication. Others will reduce everything to emotional uh, stuff, and they will say, all you need to do is see a psychiatrist. Others will reduce everything to the spiritual, and they will just say, they'll say something like, well, you just need to pray. You just need more faith. But we are holistic. We are physical, emotional, and spiritual beings. And so we need to be eating well, a healthy diet. We need to be sleeping well. We need to be exercising regularly. And sometimes, yes, we need medication because we are physical beings. But we also need to be having a good friend who, who can support us and listen to us. And sometimes we'll need to go see a counselor because we're emotional beings. 
And we'll need some good friends who can pray for us and speak into our life. We'll need a, a faith community that can support us, encourage us, and inspire us because we are so spiritual beings. We need a balanced approach. And this leads to the second point. We need to be part of a faith community. The psalmist says in verse 4, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. He remembers how he used to go to the house of God. You see, he's no longer meeting up regularly with the people of God to worship God corporately. He used to go. Now, we don't know why he's not, he's not going. Uh, in verse 6, we discover that he's, he's living right in the other side of the country, so he's far away from Jerusalem where the temple is. Uh, we don't know why. Perhaps he's moved there. Perhaps he's in exile there. We don't know. But what we do know is that he's not meeting up regularly with the people of God to worship together. We need to be meeting regularly together. We, we are so individualistic in, in the West. We, we think, well, you know, I'm sorted. I can be a good person, a spiritual person all by myself. I don't need the church. I don't need a faith community. Well, not only is that completely against what the Bible says, but it, it goes against common sense. And it's extremely arrogant and selfish. I'm sorted. I don't need anyone. And I don't want to help anyone. The reality is we need each other. We need to be meeting together. Uh, we, we need to be in a community that can do life together, that can be accountable to each other, that can do real life together, that can, can be in, in an open and a transparent way. We need to be supporting each other, encouraging each other, praying for each other, inspiring each other. We need each other. And then thirdly, we need to remember God's unconditional love. In verse 6, he says, My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. I will remember God. What particularly does he remember about God? Well, in verse 8, he says, By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to God of my life. He remembers God's loving kindness, God's unconditional love. See, when we're going through a period of spiritual dryness, it's so easy just to focus on the problem. In fact, we become so absorbed by the problem that we lose perspective and we lose sight of all the good things in our life and all the good things God has done for us. And so when we're going through a period of spiritual dryness, we need to remember. We need to remember all the good things God has done for us. We need to remember God's love. That God loves you so much that he died for you because he wants a relationship with you. And he promises never to leave you nor forsake you. And then fourth, we need to pour our heart out to God in prayer. Now, this is quite ironic because the problem the psalmist is having is that he's not feeling anything with prayer. He kind of feels that God's not listening to him, that God's distant, that God's not present, so he's having you know, prayers not working. 
And so what does he do? He prays to God about the fact that he's not feeling anything in prayer. And when you, you're not feeling anything and, and you're going through a, a period of spiritual dryness, we need, to, we need to pray to God about that. But, but you say, but, but I'm not feeling anything. Well, then tell God that you're not feeling anything. Talk to God about that. Talk to the, the distant God about his distance. Or at the very least, tell God how you miss his presence. You miss being in his presence. And also take note of his honesty. In, in verse 9, he says, why have you forgotten me? Now, God hasn't forgotten him, but that's how he feels. And he tells God exactly how he feels. God can handle our honesty. So pour out your heart to God in prayer. And then fifthly, realign your hopes. There's this refrain that comes three times in, in verse 5, in verse 11, and then in Psalm 43 in verse, verse 11. And it says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And, and so over here, he's kind of having this internal dialogue with himself. He's not praying here. He's not asking God, God, why am I downcast? Nor is he asking anyone else. He's not asking anyone, why am I downcast? He's, he's talking to himself. He's asking himself. He's doing a, a very profound self-examination. He's actually trying to find out why is he really being downcast? What is the root cause of this downcast, of being downcast? And, and effectively, what he's doing is he's, he's trying to determine what is he putting his hope in? Normally when we downcast and we're feeling depressed, it's because whatever we've put our hope in has let us down. We put our hope in something that cannot satisfy us, that will not deliver, cannot deliver. And he's trying to discover what he has put his hope in. And when we go through a time of spiritual dryness, we need to determine, do some profound self-examination and determine where do we really put our hope? Is our hope in money, in success, in being popular, in our friends, in our health, in our happiness? Because if your hope is in that, it will let you down. It won't be able to satisfy. It won't be able to deliver. Or is our hope in God? How do we put our hope in God? Well, through prayer. Through Handing the situation over to God and, and trusting God with it. Leaving it with God and letting God sort it out. 
And then sixthly, we, lastly, we need to learn to preach to our heart. In verse 5, he, he speaks to himself. He's talking to his heart. And he says to his heart, put your hope in God. This is vital. This is key to overcoming a, a, a sense of spiritual dryness is we need to learn to, to speak to our hearts. You see, every time we, we wake up in the morning, our heart is talking at us. It's going, oh, no, oh, no, this is terrible. Oh, dear. Oh, no, this is terrible. This is, all, this is this terrible. And at some point, you need to kind of grab your heart and say, be quiet. Listen. Put your hope in God. I choose now to put my hope in God, to hand this over to God, and to leave it with God. Now, of course, this, you only do this after you've already poured your heart out to God in prayer, after you've already uh, remembered all of God's unfailing love, His unconditional love, after you've already put your hope in God. But at some point, you've got to take yourself in hand and stop listening to your heart and start talking to your heart. Put your hope in God. I choose now to put my hope in God. And when you do that, the result will be that you'll be able to say, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I love that. I love his realism. He doesn't say, I do now praise you. That would be denial. Nor does he say, I will never praise you. That would be defeatism. He says, I will yet praise you. I, I will praise you. I can't quite get myself to, to praising you now, but I know I, I, I will praise you. I, I know I, I will get through this, and when I do, I will praise you then. I will yet praise you. How about you? Are you going through a patch of spiritual dryness? If you are, read the song. Pray the song. And know that you will get through the drought. You will come out on the other side, and you will be better for it. You won't just be back on the track. You will be stronger. You would have grown through the experience. You will be more humble because of the experience, and you would have grown in your faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for your promise, that you promise never to leave us nor forsake us, that you are here with us right now by your Holy Spirit. And even if we aren't consciously aware of your presence, you are still here with us. You still love us. 
And Father, we thank you too that often the times when we, we, we don't feel your presence and we feel abandoned and all alone, that's actually when you are the closest to us, surrounding us with your love. Father, help us in those times to put our hope in you. To be, to be open and honest with our feelings, to come to you in prayer and to pour out our hearts. To remember your love, that you loved us so much that you came and you died for us because you want a relationship with us. And that you promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And then Father, give us the courage to start speaking to our heart. To stop listening to our heart and start speaking to our heart. To put our hope in you. To trust you. And to say, yet I will praise you, my God and my Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.